Welcome to the Live Peaceably Podcast. I'm Lionel Sims, Minister of the Northside Church of Christ. And I'm Camille Lewis, Licensed Mental Health Therapist. And here we talk about the practical side of faith and what it means to live peaceably. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy. All right. And we are back with another episode, another conversation, another segment of the Live Peaceably podcast. We thank God for your presence. We are honored to be a part of this experience where we can talk about God and engage in the practical conversations of faith. And so as an introduction, if you haven't been with us before, my name is Lionel Sims, the minister of the Northside Church of Christ, and I am thankful for my co-host in every sense of the word who upholds this podcast and really contributes so many amazing insights and thoughts to our discussions um, and, and, and really takes it a level to a level that uh, I just I, I couldn't have fathomed myself, Miss Camille Lewis. Hey, y'all. That, that intro was much, but I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you for, for, for the dialogue. Yeah. You know, it's so much better when two voices are bouncing than when one is trying to talk to itself, you know, Mm -hmm. the conversations Mm -hmm. in like one person's head can be a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So thank you for, for, yeah, for, for contributing in that way. Um, so, um, today as we continue to discuss and get into the, the ins and outs of faith and living peaceably and understanding how practically to walk in step with God, um, and 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 I'd say um, manage your life in a way that um, that 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 produces a peaceful existence is why we're here. So um, as we begin, before we get into too much dialogue, I would love for you guys to go to God in a word of prayer with me as we together pray. So if you would at this time, our Lord and our God, we are eternally grateful for the fact that you have blessed us beyond comprehension and beyond measure. Uh, Lord, we thank you for helping us. We thank you for seeing us through. Lord, we thank you for just being a present help in every moment. But Lord, also, we thank you for giving us the ability to grow from one day to the next. Uh, We understand in your wisdom and your all-knowing nature, we often find so much hubris and arrogance in our own Uh, in our own experience and and, and thoughts, but Lord, you are patient enough with us to help us move from one state of mind to the next. And so Lord, we're asking that you bless us in this conversation that we do just that, that you guide our steps, that you um, order our spirit, Father, so that in everything that we say and do, uh, that it will be not only guided by you, Father, but that you will lead us into the place where we can experience deeper experience with you and deeper experience with life. We ask your blessings. We ask your grace. We ask your mercy. We ask it all in Jesus' name. We pray this prayer and all prayers. Amen. Amen. So as we start, um, I just, just, I mean, start off slow because I feel like I just kind of jump into it. I just haphazardly. Uh, how you doing? You doing okay? Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. Happy to be here. How are you? Yeah, solid, solid, solid. Um, since it's fall season right now, uh, as we're talking, I'm Allegedly. trying to transition. Oh, what you mean? Oh, it's hot still. What you mean? <laughs> Is that what you mean? Yes, it's yeah. still warm. I I got excited for fall, and I was like, all right, I'm ready for sweater weather, ready to go to the thrift store, but it's still like 85, 90 degrees. What am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> I, you should be used to it. You're from California. I mean, we don't really get four mm-hmm. seasons. I kind of, I'm honestly though, I can't. I'm still adjusting to the fact that I'm disappointed that we don't have four seasons like that. You know, maybe it's because I have experienced the four. I've lived through, through the four seasons, and I really grew to appreciate them. It's beautiful. So, mm-hmm. It is. It is. Except you got to be in a place where the four seasons are actually beautiful. Because, like, I've you know been to places where there are four seasons, but it's ugly. <laughs> like, winter is ice. Fall is just leftover mm-hmm. mu- uh, muggy summer. Uh, <laughs> spring is just like <laughs> nasty hot. It's like the other side of nasty fall. Where have you been where all of the seasons are terrible? That's I don't want to say like because I've been in other states and I don't want to disrespect those other states because I love those other states. Okay, all right. You, you, you tell me later and I'll avoid those states. <laughs> you can't. I think you've been. I'm pretty sure you I know you've been. Yeah. Um, mm. But um, today, though, I really wanted to... Um, get into a passage that is really, really, really important, I believe, in terms of um, getting believers to understand how important the internal work is um, as far as getting your mind together in the broadest sense I can say it in. And it comes from Philippians chapter two. 
And so if I'll, I can read it, I want to read verses 5 through 11. Uh, and it reads there, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things of in heaven and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. That's Philippians chapter two, uh, verses five through eleven. And if you'll allow me, I don't want to you know get into uh, like sermon mode at all. But I at least want to um, talk about this passage in a way that's practical up front so that we can get into dialogue about it. You can get into sermon mode for a minute. That's okay. I'll allow it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, since you said it, then um, (laughs) the book of Philippians is really Paul's letter of extreme encouragement that I think is really the um, I think the context or the occasion of the letter is what makes it as powerful because that's the thought point. Um, when Paul is writing this letter of Philippians, uh, he's writing it from prison. Um, and the point that I make when I preach, whenever I preach from Philippians, is the contrast of the nature of this letter as opposed to what we do today. Um, of course, if you um, know anybody or have known anybody or you yourself have done time, um, the letters usually go from outside of the prison to inside of the prison that are encouraging of course the letters go both ways but the encouragement goes from outside of the prison inside of the prison keep your head up stay strong hold Mm -hmm. it down while you're in there you know be be encouraged because you're not at the final stage of your life or whatever it is that's going into the prison that's encouraging but paul's letter is a letter of encouragement but he's the one in prison paul Mm -hmm. is writing from a position of confinement to a group of people that are technically free and so when he writes this letter, he's writing to them in such a joyous tone that you would think that the Philippians are the ones in prison and he's the one that's free. And so when I look at that just contrast, uh, that difference between um, kind of the way we function and the way Paul is functioning in this moment, I think really heavily about what it would take to just be of the mind to where I could be in an uncomfortable situation, but yet be that encouraging. Um, And genuinely encouraging, genuinely encouraging, Mm -hmm. because, you know, we always have a keep your head up or, you know, I'm doing all right on our lips. We've always got that. But Mm -hmm. we also understand that when we're discouraged, it weighs heavy on the heart, no matter what our mouth says. And when our heart is heavy, then it's hard for us to genuinely see the 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 spirit or the, the glory of God just hovering over and within our lives and really be joyful and excited and and in tune with that and genuinely be grateful. Um, And so when Paul sets that up, my next question is like, what is it? What particular element is it about Paul's faith that leads him to be like that? And every answer to a question that we have for Paul always leads back to Jesus. It always leads back to the character of Christ. He's like, I'm not doing anything spectacular. I'm not a particular guru in any area. I haven't done anything that would qualify me. Well, I've done things that would qualify me, but I haven't done the things that would qualify me as an uber Christian or anything like that. But I learned everything that I know from Jesus. And so whatever Jesus did or whatever Jesus modeled or whatever Jesus embodied, that's what I want to do. And so in this particular section, Philippians 2, 5 through 11, that we just read, that's exactly what he's trying to say. And that's what he's trying to get the church in Philippi to do is that he's understanding of, you know, predicaments and circumstances. But and he also understands the persecution that they're, they're facing. That's, that's worthwhile. That's worth mentioning. Um, but he starts off verse five by saying, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, thought in our robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. That section right there is Paul letting the church in Philippi know that whatever it is, excuse me, that, that, that Jesus views himself as, it didn't keep him from fully embracing his circumstances, but at the same time, it didn't keep him from understanding at his core who he was. He knew that he was in the form of God. He knew of his eternal origins. 
he knows of his eternal value. He knows that he is on par with any version of God that anybody has and surpasses that. But he was walking through life with less than what a lot of us would be comfortable with. And that's the place where I'm trying to figure out how can I unlock that mindset so that I can live my life knowing confidently that I'm not rooted in, in, in my circumstance, if that makes sense. Like, what do I have to maintain in my mind? What thoughts do I have to have? What, you know, what self-help book do I have to read? What system of meditation do I have to go through? How many hours a day do I got to meditate where I can genuinely say, I know I'm a valuable person, but I'm going through it. You know, I'm, I'm actually mm -hmm. thankful for, for who I am and where I am. But at the same time, I don't have to lie to myself about what I'm unhappy with or what's weighing heavy on me. And a lot of this has to deal with what's going on, as everything does, in your mind. And so that's what I'm trying to really dig into, I guess, to an extent, is like, mm -hmm. how do I entertain thoughts that remind me of, of my, my, my value or my, 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 my quality as a person? I guess I don't have the right language for it. I'm sure we'll work it out. But um, all the things that I would like to be what is it that I have to remind myself? And so I guess as per usual, I can transition with a question. <laughs> um, uh, if you are looking at your life and then assessing who you are as a person, just if, if those mm -hmm. two things make sense, what do you do when you catch yourself thinking in harmful ways that pretty much make you a subject to your circumstances, if you will? You know what I'm saying? It's like mm -hmm. if you're going through it, if it's a lot on your plate, like how often do we like and I'm not talking about negative. I'm not talking about complaining. I think we all need to gripe about some of the things that we go through, get it off our chest. Mm -hmm. But like what do we how do you notice, I guess, when you're doing that? And do you catch yourself doing that? Or is it not really a thing that you deal with? When I catch myself complaining, when you catch yourself looking at your, when when you catch yourself negatively, negatively talking in your own mind. I guess that's I don't want to limit it to complaining, but like mm -hmm. sometimes we just kind of sit in the burden, too. So it's not necessarily a complaint. We just kind of get into a destructive pattern of thinking about ourselves and our lives. Does that make sense? So, you're, so our, it sounds like you're talking about when we allow our circumstances to inform the way that we think about ourselves or view ourselves uh, or understand ourselves if there's if that correlation is is that close and that direct then if my circumstances are good then i'm feeling good about myself if my circumstances are not good then i'm not feeling good about myself that's what it sounds like you're I, describing i i think that's the I, I think that's the best way to to explain it from where i understand right now i, I think there's going to be a lot of small lanes within that but i think that's a great mm -hmm. framework yet mm -hmm. yeah okay yeah, well, I think that this is, is a part of the conversation about value and identity and where do we find our value uh, and how do we kind of define ourselves or, or identify ourselves? Because if if your sense of self is a little is a bit fragile uh, and if you find your uh, your value and uh, identity in the external things, in your circumstances, in your accomplishments, in your relationships, if that's where you find your value and if that is how you define yourself and your character, then when those things are on the rocks, when those things are a little bit tough, then the way that you view and perceive yourself is, is in danger. Uh, and maybe when those things are on the rocks, then you're automatically feeling like, well, it must be because I'm doing something wrong or I'm to this or not enough of that. When we kind of, um, we take this, this sense of responsibility for how things are going around us. And I guess, sure, there's something to be said for that. We, we definitely contribute to our circumstances, but, um, I think when, uh, when your sense of self is that closely connected with your, your circumstances, then, um, we, have a different sense of responsibility or we, we feel like we're, uh, I don't know. I, I think that we feel like we're, we're much 
more in control or that we should be in, in control over things that are going on around us. And maybe that's why when things go bad, we feel so bad about ourselves because we feel like, well, I should have been able to right. make this go well, or I should have been able to maintain this, you know, statue or whatever it is. But, uh, I, I, I think that, that direct correlation, uh, is, is a tricky place to be. I don't know if it's the healthiest either. Be, and, you know, we're talking about like internal work and, uh, internal processing and all of that. But if, the, if your value is in, in all things external, then you're going to rely on those things much more. And those things are on a higher pedestal and that immediately makes them much more fragile. Like if there's, if there's a crack in anything yeah. in your external world, then you're going to internalize it and, um, you know, come to these kind of assumptions about yourself and about who you are and what you deserve and, and what you're worth. But when that's the way we operate, we're missing a lot. There are so many other variables that contribute to our external uh, environment and things that exist in the external world. So I'm, I'm not sure if I answered your question, but no, you did. <laughs> that's like, kind of how I, I feel. You, yeah, no, no, because I, I agree with everything you said. Um, but I want to know what your experience has been with that. Because if you're a conqueror and that's never bothered you, then I want to know that. I don't know if it has never bothered me. Um, I, I think for me, it has shown up more in uh, in my relationships than in my kind of circumstances. You know, like if if things aren't going well on the job, I, I it doesn't make me feel like uh, like I'm not good at my job or. Uh, like I'm a failure or I'm in the wrong place or they made a mistake for hiring me. It's, it's never, I don't think it's ever really been like that. And maybe it's because, um, I, I haven't had the same, uh, insecurities professionally speaking as I have had, you know, personally. Okay. And so I think yeah. because of that, uh, I've, I've, I've struggled a little bit more with my kind of, um, sense of self and worth and identity as it relates to relationships and, and other people. Uh, and I think maybe it is because I, I've had more insecurities in that space than I have in other spaces. And so maybe the, the, the places where I'm more secure or, uh, have, have felt more secure. Um, I think I, I, I don't, uh, I don't find my, I don't know. They, uh, they don't impact me the same way. I, I, I don't, yeah. I don't find like my, my value there or, or historically I haven't at least. And I, I think now even in relationships, I'm in a much healthier place and I don't struggle with it to that, to that extent anymore. But, um, in, in areas where I've always felt confident, it, it's, it's hard to shake that. And so, uh, if, if something is, has been going poorly on a job, typically I've been able to see, oh, well, there's not very good management here and y'all don't take care of your employees or I don't have the resources that I need in order to do this job to the best of my abilities. But it's never, I've, I've never really internalized it in that way, but there are other areas of my life where I guess, I guess I have, I don't know if I've really thought about it in this, in this context, but, uh, yeah, what, what keeps coming up for me is that I haven't always felt the most secure or safe in, in my relationships. And so when things get rocky there, then it's really difficult for me to still feel uh, like as strong and confident and capable, I guess, yeah. Well, let me go ahead and bring in the struggle section because I be insecure, bruh. <laughs> not about everything and not in ways that I would think. I mean, of course, they they, they always affect something, but there's, there's always, and I didn't realize, let me say this, I didn't realize there were insecurities until later until much later mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I just thought that was every I, I felt like everybody I feel like everybody should have a litmus test for how they determine their value their worth their you know who they are as a person because we mm -hmm. all have to decide something about ourselves at some point you know mm -hmm. it's like at our core when we're young very 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 young we already start deciding what we think about ourselves and it's like we don't know that's what we're doing necessarily but that's what we're doing 
And it's like we if we especially in a social setting, like you can be loved among your immediate family. When you go home, you could have a support system. But then you go to school and it's just like, well, my friends don't like me or the people that, you know, I want to like me don't like me. Or it's vice versa. Like you go to school and you're the popular kid, but you go home and it's like nobody even pays attention to you. And so it's like you Mm -hmm. have determined on some level, even if it's not you defining yourself as an insecure person, there are areas where you're trying to determine, at least for me, what is it that makes me valuable as a human being? Because it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm supposed to be doing something completely different. Like if I get rejected in some area or if I don't get a certain position or if I don't, you know, it's like, you know, sometimes it's just like, I'm a really good kid. Why didn't I get to be line leader? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like everything <laughs> that happens around us effectively um tells us something or causes us to tell us something about ourselves when we're insecure, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when I experience those insecurities, I'm starting to realize that um, whatever it is you're telling yourself on a regular basis has to first become conscious. Mm-hmm. Um, because often we become products of self-talk when we don't even know that we're self-talking or we're you know looking around at the other people and how other people view us and we look at them as how we're supposed to view ourselves because that's what we think we're supposed to do i mean that's kind of for me the essence of being social of socializing it's like that's the context where you start realizing okay i know who i am in private behind closed doors in a room but then i start going around other people and you start seeing the people that aren't like you and then on top of that you start seeing how people respond to people like you or people that aren't like you and you start thinking "Ooh, wow this affects me too like if i really mm-hmm. loved wearing my purple shoes every day and then i look turn on the tv and somebody's getting made fun of wearing purple shoes i'm just like all right uh <laughs> do i do i care about being made fun of or do i need to change my shoes you know so mm-hmm. really taking hold of that is something that i've experienced not just in myself but just in my experience with people is just like we haven't even put a name on the fact that or identified the fact that we're self-talking with some of the things that aren't even necessarily um you know personal internal conversations does that make sense mm-hmm. it's like we mm-hmm. allow whatever it is we're touching or experiencing or engaging in to determine our value our quality and our worth and so it's like if we if we know that self-talk is real, but we allow everybody else to control the conversation, then we lose the stability that we need to even take control of that area. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I, I feel like self, self-talk self is kind of, I mean, I could be wrong. It feels like a part of the human experience. Like, do, do we all talk to ourselves or am I losing my mind? Most, most of us do. In, in recent years, I've learned that everybody doesn't have an internal dialogue, but for the vast majority, yes. And you're talking to yourself, whether you realize it or not, or recognize it a lot, or recognize it. Um, so yes, becoming aware of the way that you're speaking to yourself is so, so important. It's, it's really imperative. Um, and uh, I, I talk to a lot of people about that and talk about that a lot, actually, because uh, the way that we speak to ourselves is usually pretty harsh and pretty judgmental and that's what we're consuming all the time about ourselves we're saying negative things and we have higher expectations for ourselves than other people and so when we make a mistake or do anything even small let's say I spilled a, a, a cup of water in my own house I might be like oh why would I do that I'm so clumsy I can't never and I was I just cleaned up the house and now I got to get this and now I have to and it's like a whole spiral like girl everybody knocks things over sometimes like it doesn't mean that you are not capable of taking care of your home because you accidentally knocked over a cup of water but we take it there internally without even recognizing it and um yeah I do think that that uh you know outside voices contribute to that um if if we're gonna get you know kind of real clinical with it, uh, then it, it, it traces back a lot of the time to like, well, where did you first get these negative messages about yourself? Then we typically got them from other people or from other experiences. And so then we kind of have to, uh, dismantle some of those personal beliefs that we have about ourselves and really figure out, well, where did they come from? And is this something that you want to, uh, continue to believe about yourself? And once we kind of bring it to the forefront, what do you think about the fact that maybe you've been treating yourself like uh, like someone who doesn't deserve love? That's how you've been treating yourself. Wow. And then you wonder why you can't accept it from other people. Well, because you don't believe that you deserve it. So it really does start internally. And it starts with um, 
how how you feel about yourself, what you believe about yourself, how you treat yourself. Like there's a whole there's a whole thing about like how is your relationship with yourself. So that that's I think it's more than just like what are the words that you're saying, but like what do you actually believe about yourself? That's going to inform what you're saying to yourself, and then it's going to inform what you say about yourself to other people, and that's going to inform what you're able to receive from other people. And if other people are saying nice things about you. I think we talked before about like not being able to take a compliment. Well, if you don't believe that you have these positive qualities or deserve to receive, you know, positive feedback, then you're not going to believe it. So a lot of it does trace back to how we speak to ourselves and, um, kind of like what we believe about ourselves. But I think, you know, as, as you're talking about, well, things that other people do and say, you know, really inform all of that, that just kind of reminds me about how really fragile sometimes our sense of self is or can be. And then when I think about, you know, my, my life as a Christian, it, when like getting to that point of understanding of, uh, who we ought to be and who we ought to model ourselves after, and, you know, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, all of that, that kind of, I think helps to anchor a bit, uh, about who who we are or at least who we're we're striving to be which I think helps uh, when it comes to what we internalize from the things and people and circumstances around us we're much easier influenced if we don't have anything to hold on to if there's nothing to hold on to and if there's nothing grounding you if there's no foundation then you're easily influenced by everything but if you do have something or at least some kind of starting point then uh, at least in my experience, then it's it's been easier to hold on to that, even if I'm not sure about things beyond, you know, well, I know I'm supposed to at least be trying to look like Jesus. So if I don't know anything beyond that, that's at least where I know that I can start. Well, since you segued us perfectly, like without question, perfectly, perfectly, <laughs> um, that's where I, that's exactly where I think about Jesus himself mm. in this passage, mm-hmm. because when you look at how human Jesus was and what he not just gave up from this perspective of eternal position or, um, you know, his, his, his divine authority, he was as a homeless man to an extent and seeing a man that really is, you know, a a cardboard sign away from being homeless in the 21st century. Mm -hmm. Um, he looked at himself and he saw God. Right. And so, like, my thought in Jesus's life and his his ministry is if I were in the position that he was in, even knowing where he came from, I would be asking myself, what about me is God? Hmm. Like looking in a mirror. These are just just like in I, I have no resources you know, or not, I don't have resources, but I use no resources. I, 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 I hunger sometimes. I fast sometimes. I'm tempted sometimes. Um, you know, I'm, I'm struggling sometimes, but I'm still having to look in the mirror and see God because mm-hmm. even as he was in the flesh, as verse eight says, being fashioned as a man, he humbled himself, being obedient to death, even the death on the cross to reach that level of humility and still be able to look in your mirror and see God thought it not robbery to be equal with God and then made of himself no reputation. That really brings the questions of of image and perception to me personally. Because now I'm like, if I consider myself to be a, 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 a believer or somebody in relationship with God and I look in the mirror and I see like, what about you is God like, or even if it's just circumstantial, like what about my situation is evidence that God is here. And that can be a difficult road to cross. Not saying it's an impossible road to cross and not saying that there isn't a framework for us to walk through that. But I'm talking about as we walk through it, as we're trying to figure out how to walk circumspectly and really value yourself and really understand that God put something deeply valuable within you. Yet you're still walking around in what seems like an exhausting existence is exhausting or is honestly complicated for a lot of people. Um, because even though it's a simple concept, even when I talk to people in uh, casually or in, in Bible classes and we're learning about, um, you know, uh, um, what struggles we have in our spiritual life or how we've struggled to be more godlike. And a lot of them are rooted 
in the fact that we often don't think that um that 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 we're even that we even have the legitimate spirit of God alive within us. Hmm. It's like just having that conviction is a completely life-changing transformation. But mm-hmm. to look at yourself and look at everything that you are and look at everything that you've been through and are going through, and then to look in the mirror and say, the living God is alive in me mm-hmm. is a difficult task for a lot of people. It's a difficult task for me, mm-hmm. you know, because it's just like if the God of all power is in me and doing things and moving, it's just like, why is life like this level of mess? You know what I'm saying? It's like, how is mm-hmm. it? I'm not floating on clouds every two seconds. You know, how is it that I'm not being uplifted and just lifting my hands into my head with glory every two seconds? Why am I not stopping to pray every two steps? You know what I'm saying? It's like mm-hmm. all the things that we see as characteristics of faith or spirituality or, or just our belief system alive in us. Um, all of it starts with, how we even how we even understand God to be alive within us because we have to remind ourselves of that and we have to be able to see it for ourselves in order to genuinely believe that that's who we are as people even though we lose sight of it frequently if that makes sense mm-hmm. does it make mm-hmm. sense it it does it does make sense um, I think maybe it also kind of speaks to well, what do we believe about who God truly is? If, if you have a hard time seeing God in you when things around you are not spick and span, then what does that say about who you believe God to be? Do you believe, you know, God to be one who only shows up when things are, are well? Do you believe, uh, you know, God to be one who only dwells in perfect people and in perfect places? Um, but if you believe God, you know, to be, one who, or that, you know, you have, we have the Holy Spirit and, and the Spirit of God with us all of the time. If you believe that, then even when things around you aren't looking great, then there ought to be something that says, I know that God hasn't left me here. I know that I'm not in it by myself. Uh, so I, I think that's kind of where, where my mind goes when I'm, when I'm struggling and and going through it, because if I were to say, I don't, I I don't know. I don't, I don't see God right now. It's hard for me to see God right now because things aren't going well. Then I I think that speaks also to my faith and where my faith is and who I understand and, and believe and experience God to be. And so I think, you know, we're talking about Paul being in prison and still, being able to, to find encouragement, I don't think that that means that he was fine in prison and that he was all right. But I think that means that he knew that just because he was in these really horrible circumstances doesn't mean that God was no longer with him. Right. I think that's where, at least that's where I find my encouragement. And I've had some, there's been some times and it's, it's gotten rough and the only way that I feel like I've been able to make it through all of that is to know, well, I know I'm not in, I'm not in this by myself, even though maybe there's not another human and, you know, going through this with me or another person, but I know that God hasn't removed his glory from me because I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, I don't know. It's, 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 it's hard for me to, to, uh, I think it's hard for me to not see. I'm, I'm at the point now where it's hard for me to not see God when I'm, when I'm in that. Uh, even if I don't know what he's doing, I know he's doing something and that gives me comfort, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I believe that as well. I believe that as well. Um, and if I mean, it's a, yeah. yeah. Um, not, and it's not to deviate, it's to tap in further. I just want to use this illustration and ask this question. Do you ever experience um, uneasiness about dying? About dying? I mean, I'm not excited about it. <laughs> See, and uh, I'm I'm weird but about. I, it. I don't I don't think about it a lot. I do a lot of funerals, <laughs> mm, so yeah, it's like, I, yeah, I sit in those spaces a lot. And so when mm-hmm. you're even, especially when it's not people that you immediately know, um, you just mm-hmm. sit and you listen. You know, if you know the person and you're emotionally engaged more, but mm-hmm. if you don't know the people, if you don't know the, even the person who's died, then you just sit and you you watch. And you pay attention to 
what people genuinely believe about their faith and what they and how they apply it to the way that they live and you know when it comes into light and fruition but i think that funerals are so telling about what we genuinely believe because we especially being christians growing up in christian faith there's a premise that we live by and it's like we do not grieve when we die or when people die as those who have no hope as the bible says um, we mm-hmm. don't grieve mm-hmm. as people who don't have an eternal destination have. It's like one of the, the, the foundational promises, one of the doctrines of scripture is the doctrine of eternal life. You know, mm-hmm. um, not just like whether we're going to heaven or hell, but just the fact that this is only a temporary experience and we will experience life beyond this. It's like we can claim to have an extreme amount of faith, but like if you're a believer, if you believe in Jesus, if you believe in the, in the scriptures, then you believe that what comes after this is essentially better and more fulfilling than what this is right mm-hmm. now. And mm-hmm. so it's like, even with that in mind, it's like, this is God saying, everything that you've ever dreamed of is paling in comparison to what I have prepared for you. And mm-hmm. we have God's biggest language used for the afterlife and what comes next, but that doesn't keep us from saying, mm, you know, not ready to go. We can mm-hmm. literally be on our last leg with no money in the bank and you know everybody in our life hates us and somebody be like you ready to die I'm like oh, i'm not ready to go quite yet you know <laughs> so it's like everything about death as far as the bible is concerned as far as our faith is concerned is set in stone as far as you know um the the teaching the afterlife all that comes but it's like there's still a part of us you know that says i don't know about that and not the fact that we don't know like whether what we're going to end up, but it's just like there's still parts of us that are uneasy about detaching from this life, hmm. you know, and not being a part of this life anymore. Partially because, you know, this life is all we know. And so hmm. any foreign territory can be uneasy, but it's like that's the premise of faith, is it not? You know, it's like we are engaging a God that we know is going to lead us through tumultuous times. And sometimes we only experience because we have faith in God that mm-hmm. that it gets difficult and so it's like even though we know god is going to be with us god is going to get us through the situations god is going to walk with us there's still parts of us or at least there's still parts of me that are just like you know yeah. um i don't know if it's like i don't know if it's that i can can't handle it don't think i can handle it i don't know if it's you know um me just not being mentally prepared for the journey ahead, or at least I don't think I'm mentally prepared for the journey ahead, Mm -hmm. but it's just like that part of me that still fights. And a part of a lot of us, generally speaking, I'm just using myself, but that Mm -hmm. still fights against, um, against what we actually claim to believe Mm -hmm. and what we, what we do, honestly, what we do wholeheartedly believe. Like there's still Mm -hmm. a level of resistance and it's like, I feel like that level of resistance is different for everybody, of course, because, you know, yeah. when I talk to when I talk to saints that have been in the church for 30, 40, 50, 60 years and I talk to them about it, honestly, a lot of them feel different. They're like, you know what? I'm ready to go. If this life mm-hmm. is all there is, then I'm ready to move on to the next one. And so, you know, yeah. there's there's that aspect. But also it's just like they're also of that same mind where it's like, if I've got the Lord, then I'm all good. And I'm just like, you know what? One day I may get to that place. But right now mm-hmm. there's this constant tension of like, you know, looking in the mirror and like, is is God doing everything that I think God is doing in me? You know, am I mm-hmm. genuinely tied to faith like I'm called to be or like I think I am? And so all those start to well up in the mind and I start asking myself genuine questions about my faith. And mm-hmm. so then it's just like, I realized that even though I wasn't trying to, I've just been through a whole lot of self-talk. Mm-hmm. You know, I've used my, my the, the, the older saints as, as, a, as, a, as a litmus test. You know, I've used my, my fears as a litmus test. And this passage from Philippians is like, Paul is literally using Jesus as the litmus test. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> it's like, I was like, I don't know how I keep missing it or how I keep moving past it or keep trying to slide it. But when Jesus is the litmus test, it really genuinely changes how we look at our, 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 our internal spiritual dwelling, if that makes sense, our, the, the spirit of God mm-hmm. dwelling in us, our faith, our conviction. Um, because it's like, if Jesus is able to walk around the world homeless, and look at stuff in the mirror and say, no, I'm still 100% God. It's just mm-hmm. like you're looking at something and you're you're full off of something that I'm still trying to tap into. You get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's the challenge. And it might not be for everybody, but it's just something that I think is a reality 
um, when you're really trying to walk through, you know, figure out your, your, your faith. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I like, uh, I like using Jesus as a litmus test. I, I like, I like that terminology. I think, uh, I don't, I don't know. Um, I think that it's also, I think that it's also important to be okay and not feel guilty about being unhappy with your circumstances. And I think that's really hard as a Christian sometimes because we know that we're supposed to always have joy. Um, And so then when we are in uncomfortable or unhappy spaces, we feel bad and we feel guilty about that. And we're like, oh, but I'm supposed to be joyful. I'm supposed to be, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to be this. And so then it's like, well, then what does that say? Maybe I don't, you know, maybe I I don't have faith if I'm, you know, complaining about this or, or whatnot. But, um, I, I think that it's okay to say like, I am very uncomfortable right now. I would love it if this season were over and I can't wait to get to the other side of it. I think it's okay to say that and, and still, have an understanding or to still have that litmus test, uh, about how you believe what you believe about yourself. It's okay to say, I, Hey, I kind of hate it here right now, but does that have to mean that I hate myself right now? Like that those, those, those can be separate. And I, and I, I think if they're not separate, then we're much more hesitant to say, I hate it here right now, because then we feel like we're also saying I hate, myself or I hate, you know, what I've done to get myself here. But if, if we're using Jesus as that litmus test, and if that's where we're, you know, trying to, to tap in and, uh, view ourselves through that lens, then I think it's a bit easier to detach from your circumstances and to acknowledge these are just the things that are happening around me, but these things do not make me who I am. Which includes the things that you do, I guess. And that's kind of new to me. Like, you know, mm. things happening around you. Because, you know, when you have things happening around you, around you, um, for me, in my experience, it's easier to say, this isn't me. This isn't, you know, this is just happening mm. to me. Or these are just what they're doing. Or this is just what's going on. But, like, when I make a mistake, you know, mm. then it gets harder to divorce that. Then it's just like, mm. you know, okay, now it's not just things happening around me. It's me. I did it. You know, it's like I made a mistake. I mm-hmm. made a bad call. And so it's just like I got to take on the full weight. And that's a part of the struggle that I've, I've experienced. That I wasn't expecting. But um, mm-hmm. it's just like when 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 you make a mistake, you know that it wasn't God who made the mistake. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It's like you did this. And so it's like when when you don't have that that understanding of. I guess your 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 blessedness even in your mistakes then it's difficult for you to embrace what you're struggling with mm-hmm. it's like i know that everybody makes mistakes but if i don't give myself room to make the mistakes and not to say that you know i can make mistakes it's fine but more so like you know mistakes will happen what do i do mm-hmm. about the fact that i know that this is my fault and it's not just circumstantial because, you know, that's another element of, of faith and, and living as a Christian that I also think is important that needs to be addressed is just a lot of people, um, they, we kind of explain things away because they're external, the they, the them, the world, the, mm-hmm. the outside, the what's going on. Um, but then it's just like, well, nah, sometimes I did this. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. it is me. Sometimes it was a character flaw. Sometimes it was a mistake. And it's just like if you know that your behavior or what it is you do in your life is your litmus test for how you know, how, how, how much either God is with you or, you know, how, how spiritual, or how, how faithful you are, then, you know, it'll be hard to recover from that. Cause it's just like, this, this is, this is a part of me. And this is how I judge myself based off of my behavior. And that seems logical to me, you know? So now it's just like, I have to give myself grace when I make a mistake. And it's difficult for me to do that when I'm only trying to take accountability or when I -hmm. think that making a mistake and acknowledging my mistake and, and beating myself up for my mistake Mm -hmm. is taking accountability Mm. and that mental shift. Yeah. 
I was saying that mental shift <laughs> is a place that like it was an avenue I didn't even know needed to be taken. Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. That's yeah. That's tough for, for a lot of people. And um, we may not realize it or recognize it, but we we uh, a lot of times feel like we're defined by our mistakes or we feel like, you know, our mistakes are defining this part of our life or um, because even in saying, oh, I, I, I made a mistake or a misstep. Does that mean that everything that has happened since then is your fault or that you have caused everything that has happened since then? Or does that mean that you made a mistake because you are a human? So even being able to, to, to separate that, but, but I think, I think beyond that, it's, it's what again goes to what do you believe about yourself because of that mistake? And like we, we beat ourselves up for mistakes that we've made and then we're, much more harsh moving forward so that we don't make the same mistake again but you didn't make the mis- you didn't make the mistake on purpose but the way that we treat ourselves afterwards it's like we did do it on purpose yeah like we're so harsh and critical and punishing and like we continue to punish ourselves for mistakes that we made way back when and there needs to be an element of forgiveness of self because God has forgiven you for making the mistake but we haven't forgiven ourselves for it and that's what, like, we're still holding it against ourselves and we're still, you know, like, I'll never allow myself to be in that, in, in, in that position to be able to make a mistake again. You're going to make more mistakes because you don't know what you don't know. And sure, if you knew back then what you knew now, then you wouldn't have made that same mistake or that same decision. But you made a decision using what you had at the time to the best of your ability. And so that's how we give ourselves grace in those moments. But if if we if we're saying uh, I can't think of an example right now, but if it's like, you know what, I, I, I made the wrong decision. I, I was being impulsive and I, I didn't think it through. Uh, and so 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 now I can't trust myself because I can't yeah. trust my decisions because I'm not thoughtful and I'm too impulsive and I don't think things. No. Well, OK, hold on. Let's take a beat. Let's take a second. Why did you make that decision at the time that you made it? Did you make it because you felt like that was what was going to be the best for you? Did you make it because you felt like that we needed it to be a priority? Like, why did you make that decision? And can you can you empathize with yourself for where you were in that moment and in that space and have some understanding for why you made that decision? And usually when we put it in that context, then then we can and we'll say, well, yeah, no, I made the decision because like I. I, I, I thought that that was going to get me, you know, from point A to point B. And it turns out that it got me, you know, way over here to like point R. And I didn't know that it was going to take me there. Right. You didn't know that it was going to take you there. So why are you punishing yourself for something that you did not know? So we do still have to, in, in that sense, separate who you are from the decisions that you made, whether they're mm. mistakes or like wonderful <sighs> decisions, because both both ways we were not necessarily defined by the, the the things we do or the decisions that we make because to your point those things are still you know kind of external i understand where the where the thought process comes from but this this is another piece of internal work that's really important for a lot of us to do we do not allow ourselves to grow from our mistakes and we continue to view ourselves from that lens but the thing is, when you're looking at the mistake that you've made now, when you recognize that it's a mistake, you've already grown and you already have more clarity and perspective. And maybe it would have been great if you had that at the time, but you simply didn't. And you're probably making mistakes now that in two, three, four or five years, you'll be looking back and thinking that you wish you had some different kind of perspective and insight on. I think you explained it. Um, not, I can't, I can't even add to it. I think what you, what you six what you just explained was um, honestly a great framework to operate within when you're struggling with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you, it's it's I, I think it's 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 a fantastic umbrella to keep yourself under and to remind yourself that you need constant reminders of that. What everything you were just to because I even though you just like smoothly slid through it, I'm just like, Mm -hmm. what do you mean giving yourself space Mm -hmm. to be more than your mistakes, you know, Mm -hmm. to, Mm -hmm. to not be defined by your mistakes. And it's like in so many, so many people don't know what that means because Mm -hmm. they haven't been in a context where they were able to be more than their mistakes. Mm -hmm. And that's hard when everybody around you 
is geared towards the same frequency of of little to no great. And on top of that, you know, we we it doesn't take much to build a reputation. Hmm. So when yeah. we start talking about how other people view us and also about how we have to constantly remind ourselves about how God views us and about how we view ourselves, it's like the honestly, the input ratio is unbelievable. It's like we wake up every morning re- assessing what people think about us. Yeah. And in turn, that causes us to think certain ways about ourselves. Like when it comes to social media, like that's where, in my opinion, that's where the big disconnect is of the big switches. Mm-hmm. Like some people, they put themselves on social media and other people get themselves from social media. And mm-hmm. like, and not just social media in general, but that's always been the social, you know, the social issue is that mm-hmm. we, some, some of us just go into the world being our complete selves. Some of us are still trying to find ourselves. So we go into the world trying to discover it. And so it's mm-hmm. like when we see what other people judge or when we see what other people value, when we see what other people contribute. And, you know, even the most spiritual of us, we're, we're subject to the same thing. We can't slide past yeah. that. You know, if we if we walk into a room looking crazy, uh, dressed a certain kind of way, it's just like we feel a certain type of way when people look at mm-hmm. us weird. It's like it's there. But when we actually realize how much other people's input is contributing to our life experience then we start realizing like there's a lot of like even if i read my bible every day and i talk to myself constantly there is so much external contribution to our mindset that we Mm -hmm. don't have the internal strength to combat it you know Mm -hmm. it's just like after a while if i'm jesus in jesus's shoes i'm like well shoot i know who i am but like y'all keep talking about me this way what's going on you know, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I am the son of God, but everywhere I turn, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, um, a, uh, whatever they call Jesus, they, 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 mm-hmm. they called him a false God. They called him a devil. Um, they called him everything that he wasn't. And so in mm-hmm. light of that, the confidence that he had to have in his divine identity is unmatched because mm-hmm. now it's just like, I have to walk through a world that sees me as something other than what I am. And so now mm-hmm. I have to constantly remind myself that I'm not that. And so the right. only, especially when you're a Christian and the only way you're receiving alternative information is what God tells you and what you tell yourself, it gets lonely in that space. I mean, mm-hmm. and this is also why I'm just learning recently, like how important it is and the reason why God pushed so much spiritual community on us and didn't let us be here mm-hmm. by ourselves. And especially that's the one of the hardest parts of the Bible for me personally to get through, because mm-hmm. it's just like I like to, you know, think that we're all individuals. But it's just like the fact that you need people in your life. And this is why church and 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 ministering to the church and communicating with the church has become so important to me lately. It's just because like like y'all. You have no idea how hard some people are taking your judgment of them. Mm-hmm. Like you have no when you walk, especially when I see the dichotomy between, you know, um, teenagers and 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 adults. Mm-hmm. You know, I see like it's like we like from the adult perspective, you're like you want them to do right. You want them to live a, a spiritual life. You want them to be intimate and close with God. And so in doing that, your process and your method of doing that is like, well, then you ought to talk this way and you ought to dress this way and you ought to walk this way and you ought to live this way. And so even though that's being given from a spirit of encouragement, when you're still developing an identity, what you're hearing is a lot of criticism that's not helping you form your identity. You only know now what you're doing wrong and you're getting it from the people that are supposed to be affirming who you are. And that's Mm -hmm. tough for people who are developing in the faith, because then, as we've seen countless times, you 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 get to a point where, you know, you're no longer under the umbrella of the church's say so. You know, Mm -hmm. you can you you realize at some point like, hey, I can go outside of the church building. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, also, when I needed affirmation, I got it from wherever I got it from. And it's like, you know, now when I when I when we talk about churches and and the experience of church and you know what the church does like it's so amazing when you see people across generations across um, ethnic boundaries across cultural boundaries give genuine encouraging uplifting commentary or compliments to somebody in their lives because it's just like you're reaffirming what this person is telling themselves about who they are. And that's what they're going to need every single day of their life. 
when they leave your presence, they're going to need that affirmation. When they leave that church, they're going to need that affirmation. And you can tell when the adults that you deal with are insecure, what kind of self-talk they have and what kind of talk they got from other people in a lot of ways. And it's like, I would love for that to be a space. I would love for this to be a space, the church to be a space where we're reinforcing people's positive image of themselves. And by positive, I don't just mean everything you do is good. By positive, I mean everything that that um, that you experience or go through can be used by God to God's glory. And it's mm-hmm. like just that that in and of itself is is kind of what gives me like that that little glimpse of an open door into being mm-hmm. more than your mistakes. But it's mm-hmm. just like in Christ, that door needs to be kicked down. You know, it's yeah. like everything that you were mentioning is 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 now becoming a reality to where I do genuinely believe that what God is doing in me is more than even I'm doing for myself. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like that's a mental space that I would love to see the church function in. I don't want to just hear that from like one or two people that figured it out. It's like I would mm-hmm. like that to be the tone of our gathering in our communication, our community and our fellowship cuz like mm-hmm. when we leave one another, we should be edified, not destroyed. Mm-hmm. But at the same time you have to leave your own house first. You have to walk away from your own mirror first. Mm-hmm. And then you start realizing like what other people try to tell me I am. I'm only accepting affirmation to the positive. Well, yeah, and the, but the positive has to be there first for it to be affirmation because if if you don't see or feel any of the positive, then when people are saying it to you, then you're not, it's, it's not actually penetrating. It's not, it's, it's, you're not receiving it. You don't believe it. It's actually, in fact, challenging what you believe about yourself. If you are only believing negative things, or if you're only, you know, very critical of yourself and all of that, and somebody else is saying all these good things, then it's going to be really hard for that to land with you the way that we hope that it would or the way that it's intended. So uh, it's there. I think that they're, they're both absolutely important. And yeah, we do need to you know be more affirming of one another and of, of who we are. Uh, but we have to know who we are first in order to receive that affirmation because because also like some people, people are, are, are going to affirm the positive that, that they see. Um, what, what am I, what am I trying to get at? I, I don't know. Like there are parts of me that have always been understood. I mean, misunderstood. I'm sorry. There are parts of me that have, that have consistently and constantly been misunderstood. Yeah. Um, not maliciously or anything, but it's, they're just mis- misunderstood and they will probably always be that way. And so sometimes when people say things to me and they're meaning it with the best of intention, but it's a misinterpretation of who I know myself to be. Yeah. Uh, and in some cases I'm like, oh, I, I can see how you gather that, I guess, from, you know, how I present or who I am and all of that. Um, but because I know the parts of me that maybe other people have a hard time understanding, then uh, I think it's, it's easier for me to, you know, kind of like receive the, the spirit in which it's being given without really, without really taking the, the words, you know? Yeah, for sure. You're, you're really good at this. I think you should be a therapist. Well, I'll think about that. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly, um, in this conversation, I'm, I didn't expect to go to this point, but it's the last thought that I have just because I don't want to oversaturate, uh, my mm-hmm. my own mind with 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 thoughts or conclusions or you know insights from this conversation um but i will say because i when we started this conversation my plan mm-hmm. was to really focus on the internal work but it's like when you realize how hard the internal work is for yourself you also realize how hard the internal work is for other people mm-hmm. um and so it's like everybody not everybody some people a lot of people are are just it's like we're, we're positive self-talking but we're still weighing things, if that makes sense. It's just like, it's there, but we're weighing it. It's like, I believe on a good person, but I can see evidence to the contrary. You know what I'm saying? Or I believe that, you know, God is 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 completely and entirely, you know, loving towards me, 
but I still feel certain type of ways, whether reasonable or completely unreasonable. It doesn't even matter. It what matters is the conclusion that you reach in that. But because so many people are still weighing it, I think it's intentional that we learn how to intentionally affirm people towards the positive because that's what often they're weighing in their mind. Like when you mentioned, you know, mm-hmm. you have to believe something about yourself first. That's 100% true. And now if you listen to other people's commentary, not just people in general, but even the external commentary, whatever that is, even if it be to your own mistakes, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's in and of itself a commentary because you're taking that as a way to view who you are as a person. But even just seeing yourself as above that, as more than your mistakes, um, that I believe is really, 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 you know, a call for the need for affirmation when it comes to you weighing who you are or who you think you are because it's just Mm -hmm. like i am i know who i am it's just things get shaky and it does help when other people affirm me but also it does help when i intentionally look for opportunities to affirm myself Mm -hmm. you know it's like now i real i'm realizing this like you know what i made a mistake and this what i'm dealing with right now internally in my mind is dangerous to me And it's like, I at least have to look for some sort of affirmation, but like even bridging that gap to where you can say like, Hey, I need affirmation. I need affirmation is a move that I hadn't learned how to make until later in my, you know, Mm -hmm. until recently I'll say, um, Mm -hmm. it's like, so it's like, yo, it's okay to admit that you need to be affirmed in some way. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just like that. Cause like when I think about it, my definition for, you know, self-confidence and personal validation was wrong. You know, I thought that it just meant, you know, you know, un, untouched self-confidence you know it's mm-hmm. like i'm completely and entirely sure of myself at all times and when i'm not mm-hmm. then something's wrong but it's like now what helped me is learning that's not the case it's like i do get uncertain at moments and mm-hmm. i do just but 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 keeping that space open recognizing that i need to be affirmed and even if it comes in the form of affirming myself is what really helps me along the road in, in 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 you know how 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 we how we grow and how we mature yeah yeah i think i would i would say i mean to take it a, just a tiny step further is that you have to believe that you deserve affirmation and that you deserve to be affirmed because not letting go of of the past of the mistakes it's like then we feel like anything positive that we allow into this space where the mistake exists, we feel like if we let anything positive in there, then it's a cop out and it's an excuse. So then it's, it's really hard to even say or to really even look for that yourself because what you're looking for instead is uh, more restriction so that you don't make the mistake again. So we have to be, you have to get to a place where you, believe that yes you need affirmation you need it from other people you need it from yourself but you deserve that affirmation from yourself and from other people and if that piece is missing then it's going to go in one ear and out the other it will it will not serve the intended purpose if you don't believe that you are worthy of it Well, then let me end by saying this right here, because in my big age, I will leave this conversation with an understanding that I need to learn what you just said. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I'm not I I know me personally, I'm not there and I know a lot of people, other people Mm -hmm. aren't either. But it's like, yeah, it's just that's yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm glad you took it a step further, too. Yeah, because I I think that that's the, the part that we need in order to for the application to to be personal is that we need that part because so like if you find yourself saying like um yeah you know i know i have good things but i still have done these things in my past or i still have have to make sure that i don't make this mistake if there's still a but then that means that you're holding on to your past mistakes and that means that you're still judging yourself for the for those past mistakes and you're basically uh minimizing or dis- discrediting the affirmation that you were just trying to receive. So you can say like, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm a good person and I have these good qualities, but I have to make sure that I don't, you know, do this again, but I have to, I got to keep an eye on this because otherwise, so if you have that, that, but, or that piece that's, that you won't let yourself forget, 
then there's some work to be done uh, about letting go of some of those mistakes and allowing yourself to move forward and continue to grow and believe that you deserve good things, good thoughts, good words, even though you have made this mistake in the past. But if you're saying, yeah, 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 I know I'm, I'm nice and easy to talk to, but sometimes, you know, I'm careless. Well, then you just discredited all the good. If you can't take the good without reminding yourself of the bad, then there's no space for the good. Bruh, can you chill? We've been talking for a minute and you <laughs> like, bruh. I'm done, I'm done, I promise. Please be done, be done, be done. Cause I don't know if I'm processing can fully take everything that you're saying. Cause honestly, I just, as you were talking, I came up with my new mantra. I said, even if I burn the house down, I can still make a mean grilled cheese. I think I'll rock with mm-hmm. that. I, no matter what happens. <laughs> I can make a solid grilled cheese sandwich. And I think that's going to be go. the bank's point of what I continue with. <laughs> um, we'll leave it there then. <laughs> thank you, Camille. Thank you. I appreciate your graciousness in letting me end this conversation because there's processing <laughs> that needs to be done. So thank you. Um, guys, I'm hoping that in our continued conversations, you yourself were able to self-analyze, self-assess, and really look into the, not just... Um, spiritual application but also the biblical foundation of the things that we're talking about because i believe that the bible um honestly it speaks so much louder when you actually listen to what it's trying to speak to and so Mm -hmm. as we continue in our discussions hopefully your feedback will help us grow and improve and even touch relevant topics um so uh thank you guys again so much for tuning in for being a part of our conversation um and if you guys would pray with me as i close this out in prayer so if you will let us pray Our Lord and our God, we are eternally grateful for the fact that you have not only blessed us with the opportunity to converse, but Lord, we're asking that you bless us in our dialogue, Father, uh, that it reaches the people that it's supposed to reach. Uh, Lord, that you bless us as we continue to process and learn, uh, that you continue to order our steps, Lord, because we thank you for your, 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 your unmatched mercy and your your, your abundant grace for everything that you are and everything that you do. We thank you and we worship and we praise and we uplift and we acknowledge you for everything. And Lord, we're asking that you bless us now and in the days to come. In Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Well, Miss Lewis, thank you again so much for being a thank part you. of this dialogue. And we will see you all next time. May God bless you and may God keep you. Bye, everyone. Again, we thank you for joining us. And if you have any questions, concerns, or thoughts, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at church at northsidecoc.church or on our social media pages on Facebook at Northside Church of Christ, the one in Riverside, or on Instagram at live.peaceably.